Welcome back. Brian Tuck here at Creator Confidential with a recap and a breakdown of Chapter 6 of The Mandalorian, which is entitled The Prisoner. Again, I'm joined by David Below and Dan Bradley, and we're going to get into it in a minute. But first, let's take care of some business. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this show anywhere that you are listening, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. You know the drill. You guys know what to do. Now, I just read that Apple Podcasts is now available on Alexa-powered speakers. So, if you have one of those devices, you can just simply tell Alexa, hey Alexa, play Creator Confidential. Hopefully you'll find us. Somebody out there, please try that and get back to me. Let me know how your experience was. I'm curious to uh, find out. So, Without any further delay, here we go. Chapter 6 Breakdown, The Mandalorian, The Prisoner. You're listening to Creator Confidential with attorney, author, and musician, Brian Tuck. Brian's legal practice is focused on arts and entertainment law, startups, nonprofits, and faith-based organizations. To learn more, visit tucklaw.com on the web. Creator Confidential starts now. Okay, we're back. And as is our practice, Dan and David and I have not discussed this amongst ourselves until now. Uh, There were a couple of false starts this week and I was like, no, 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 no. Save it for the thing. So here we are at the thing. And uh, Dan, curious to get your your feedback. I've got some a lengthy... Uh, not too lengthy, I hope. And now, uh, some thoughts about this. But Dan, let's uh, let's start us off. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was an, I thought it was a, a lot of fun. I thought it was a cool episode. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think it was just like again. I think it was keeping with that um, kind of jailbreak western trope, um, and uh, you know, eventually leading to the betrayal. You know, halfway through or towards the end, which kind of cool. But yeah, I mean. It was an isolated story that didn't really further the plot, overall plot too much. But, I mean, overall, I thought it was a lot of fun episode. Great performances, great characters. And um, I think it was just an awesome jailbreak Star Wars story, really. Mr. David? I think I totally agree with Dan. It was a lot of fun. And I was giggling a lot when I was watching it. And just the eye candy was spectacular. Um, I'm actually reviewing, I actually have it playing silently in the background and I'm just looking up here and there and just the hanger of that, uh, that station where he meets his old, uh, gang boss guy, the guy he used to run with and all the little things to look around and you see that grimy real side of the universe, you know, that isn't heroic or idealistic or shiny and gray, like a Imperial kind of thing. It's all that fun lived in stuff that made Star Wars so cool and then as we'll talk later when you know when they get to the prison barge and then you get all that those clean lines and the white walls and all that other stuff it was uh, I really liked it and as to Dan's point it it was like a fun sidebar um it didn't further the huge Mandalorian plot but there's little seeds of um his history because we learn from these other people that have done jobs with him that Mando seems to have had a different side to him, maybe more intense, maybe more of a Lothario, who knows. But, uh, it, you know, it was it was more of the heist thing, like Dan said, just a fun um, 
the classic thing. Everyone goes in and then they start double crossing each other and all that. So it, I really liked it. I like. I think I've watched it like twice or three times now. It's just fun to look at too. All right, you you guys are going to have to change my mind about this one because I and I'm I'm trying not to fall into the trap of everything being the the greatest thing on earth or the worst thing on earth, which is how everybody thinks now. Like there's no middle ground and and trying to be a little bit more analytical about stuff. I just, man, I couldn't get into this one. Huh? Didn't care for it. Here's why. Whenever, first of all, Bobby Elvis in space in the same care, all of a sudden, you know, the Mando comes into the, uh, into the into the dock there and all of a sudden here's the guy from sons of anarchy essentially in the same character and i'm now i'm thinking about sons of anarchy and that show and i'm like what the hell is go it just seemed really it just seemed really odd right out of the box and 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 then you've got i don't know i'm curious to hear your guys reaction to this i would call this lazy writing where you've got at the beginning of an adventure or the, you know, whatever it is, you have like one character deliver a roll call of all the other characters so that they're all established. I I get why, why I get why you do this. It's just annoying. Like, you know, Bobby Elvis takes this. I'm just going to call him Bobby Elvis. Screw it. That he takes us through the other members of the crew and okay, this is our trigger man. This is the driver. This is, you know, this is the medic. This is this guy. And it just seemed, I don't know. It just seemed really out of place relative to how the other episodes have been. Even the, even the, um, even the rookie episode almost nicely wasn't like this. Mm-hmm. But so in the first like three or four minutes, I was like, oh, come on. And I don't know. That was just my initial gut reaction. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I could be nuts. It's also like it was kind of self-contained to. And that's one of my bigger pet peeves. Like I definitely had issues with the show because I'm kind of ready for them to show the bigger over- overreaching plot. And like the kind of one episode single contained Synopsis, you know, of just that's kind of starting to wear thin. Like, I kind of want to start seeing where they're going. But also, when they, anytime a show or a movie has a substantial amount of time spent in like hallways or corridors, um, it kind of starts to get old. It just felt, it, it also starts to feel real, um, like almost low budget in a way. And like, so, like, really, really, really self contained because it was just the same hallway over and over and over and over again for the most part the bulk of this episode yeah it was definitely a different vibe from that perspective there were there were no outdoor there were no landscapes there was no there were no outdoor shots at all um yeah we got to give credit where credit's due bill burr i thought was very very good and i the last thing i expected to see him in was an action role because when else do you ever see that yeah uh, he was, yeah, I mean, essentially it was Bill Burr in a Star Wars, you know, skin. But um, I think that character they casted in was absolutely perfect for like a smart-ass, you know, <laughs> smart-ass angry Irishman, if you will. They definitely were able to 
shoehorn the Bill Burr thing into, like you said, the Star Wars skin that w- where it would work. And his and his great uh, him being able to do those one liners by being a wise ass allowed for people to get, you know, a Jar Jar jab in when he talked like, oh, you know, we said Sousa. Yeah, that was little. funny. That was yeah, funny. that was. Funny. And then also the, the thing about, you know, he was an imperial sharpshooter and they make, you know, and then he turns around as he's walking away and, and says that I wasn't a stormtrooper, you know, jerk off or whatever he said. You know, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but but that that was a. I mean, you know, it, it that that Star Wars lore that's always been made of a meme or, you know, what's with the stormtroopers who can't aim and that his persona, you totally believe it when he's saying it. And as we have seen, humor in these movies is really a slippery territory. Yeah. Like it, it, it you know, a lot of times, you know, you hear from fan, you know, you see fan comments about why are they making jokes? This isn't a, com- you know, this isn't a comedy. Like in the beginning of, uh, in the beginning of episode eight, when, when Poe is playing around with Hux, you know, the, the X-Wing is approaching uh, the ship and he's like, oh, hello, are you still there? I'm holding for, you know, holding for you guys, you know, that kind of stuff. So, but, but Burr, like, knows he's a pro. I mean, he's a total pro. He's awesome. I mean, he knows how to, he knew how exactly how to deliver all that stuff. And it was a, it was definitely a net positive thing i think yeah it 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 felt real it felt like that that kind of conversation would happen in star wars land among people you know it's uh i like i I really like that that stormtrooper one made me laugh out loud it was just it was oh so good (laughs) yeah it was it was dead on i also really like one of my favorite aspects of the episode was the i'm I'm a huge sucker for revenge stories so (laughs) When the Mandalorian gets double crossed, I literally sat up and was like, "All right, here we go." Yeah. Show him one by one hunting each person down and like outsmarting them. It kind of showed why he's a Mandalorian, why he's badass. You know, yeah. I mean, he takes a flamethrower to that one dude's face, which was amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, like I said, like it almost had like an alien esque feel to it at times because it was just dark and like parts of his ship were red. He was just kind of lurking in the shadows. And yeah, you could see he wasn't. They finally showed more of a badass side of him um, that you haven't really seen since the child's arrived on the scene. And um, I also kind of like, at first, I hated it. I, w- I wanted him to be kind of ruthless and be like, all right, these people double crossed me and threatened, threatened the child. I'm going to kill them all. But I kind of like the fact that he stuck to his guns and just threw them all in a prison and just left them there. Yeah, I didn't see the end coming. Yeah, I thought I thought he had taken them all out. One of the really cool things I thought at the end, it was great to see the X-Wings come in at the end. I was openly rooting for them to blow these guys up. Yeah, that was pretty it's, awesome. It's a shame they didn't get all the bad guys, but that it it's funny how refreshing it is when you see elements from the classic stuff incorporated into this show and again as Favreau has done a great job of this he doesn't overdo it it's just enough to get you get your attention or kind of call back some other you know other cool moments from the other from the other movies totally and and plus and just there's all that sensory memory going on too because as soon as you you're looking out the hangar and you saw the three ships come in 
from hyperspace where they kind of go zoop, 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 and they appear with a little bit of that motion blur. And then you hear that that high-pitched searing sound that you're like, that's X-Wings. You're like, is that X-Wings? You know, and it's it, that, yeah, I, I totally love that. And uh, what's what was fun about that is that the pilots, I recognized, I thought two of them, definitely one, but the the white guy with the beard, that's Dave Filoni. That's the other guy with Favreau that's running the show. Right. Who was in charge yeah. of all the wars. Yeah. And then I, I decided to Google it because I thought that the girl, she looked just like there was a girl in Force Awakens who was part of the X-Wing squadron with Poe. And uh, but no, she's actually the, the one in this Mandalorian episode. She's the woman show running the Obi-Wan series that we're going to see in a year or two. So and the guy, um, the black guy is was the guy who kind of wrote and directed this episode. So that was a fun little, okay, you, we, what, what do you want? You guys want to get in the show and do your cameo and fly an X-Wing? And so super fun. And I don't know, just just the way they just kind of popped in and we're like, yep, we're here. We know what we got to do. Boom. <laughs> and, uh, and what was it? Bobby Elvis? Just that was so much fun watching him look out the thing. And that other guy, the Twi'lek was just realizing, oh, oh man. And I thought actually when it tell me if you guys thought this too when they when mando got back and he and bobby had that exchange where they were kind of shaking hands and saying yeah just like old times yeah just like old times just like old times i for some reason i thought that we would find out that that phrase was like like a safe not a safe word but like a code term for that they would use back in the day which would mean um because they said it in the beginning, which was like Bobby safe, was telling a, a safe word. What are you guys doing back there no, 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 in Detroit no, no. I, exactly? To, that that's on the to, top of your mind? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, no, I was just trying to like, no, somebody said it the other day and it's, and it's the, the quickest reference, but like, uh, um, like when they were introducing the characters and Bobby Elvis says that to Mando and when they got back and they said it a couple of times, I thought we'd find out that maybe that was their phrase to say, hey, I'm giving you this job, Mando. You're going to go out with this team, but I don't need this team anymore. So if you can conveniently, accidentally get rid of them for me, that'll work. But, you know, I can't say that out loud. I'm not going to, you know, hit on to it because even though he did betray him, I don't, you know, all, they all do that. You know, that seems to be like a you know, it's kind of a, a messing with among thieves. Like it, it's, it's their way of kind of keeping each other on their toes, but apparently not. But I, did you get that sense that, that there was something brewing between Bobby and Mando? Like they were in on something deeper than the thing. I, I picked up as just like old times. just like, well, I didn't pick up on the, maybe, you know, dump the crew, do me a favor and get rid of them. But I picked, I almost took it as like, you know, you and I were cool. Like, you know, yeah, all all's good. No questions asked. It's like old times. Just like old times. Yeah, I think the job. Was, I'm walking away. Yeah, I think it was the way when Mando got back, and Bobby Elvis didn't seem that perturbed that the other ones weren't back. With him. I think that's yeah. what made. Yeah. Well, maybe, and I I just took it to mean that there was backstory we don't know about, and I like yeah. that. That's a good. That's a good thing to be doing. If I'm, if you're, you know, if I'm sitting watching something, I like that because then I, I, it gives it some continuity and some depth that, you know, there's stuff you don't know, just like, you know, just like in life. Yeah. 
Did you guys by chance watch it with your kids? Or significant? I did not. Yeah. When, when, um, when Bill Burr dropped, um, uh, the child, my kids just like jumped out of the sofa. Like they were, you know, so protective of baby Yoda. It was pretty funny. I just wondering if yeah. you guys had the same experience. No, I mean, I just did that myself because I'm very protective as well. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh man. Uh, a mouthful of pizza and really like about- take. I was going to say, another thing I really liked about this episode was, um, the 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 group that you know the mercenaries that are hired to go with the Mandalorian um, that team I really appreciate how mixed up they are in terms of like species and stuff because I feel like yeah. obviously budget wise they couldn't go too crazy with all that stuff you know I feel like in some of the other episodes they could have mixed it up a little bit more with like different weird species out there but um, like I really really like the fact that it wasn't just all straight up humans on this mercenary team um, and what's that one species called that 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 girl and her brother are like twilight twi'lek or something like that or yeah yeah it's it uh i think it's twi'lek um yeah. it's like it's like bib fortuna the jabba's guy yeah. and yeah. um they, they did somebody was posting the other day asking if it was twi'lek or twi'lek but i think it's twi'lek and she was twi'lek she sounds probably, like twilight so i don't want to say that ever again that's all. <laughs> yeah she definitely had that uh, harley quinn kind of yeah. psycho chick uh criminal thing going which was which was fun which kind of and this made me think of something that i see in the star the, the newer star wars movies and the mandalorian thing how that when when you were saying earlier uh, brian i think you were talking about it about how they keep modern conversation and humor um they they, they frame it they, they frame stuff that is happening in the modern world that everyone kind of knows. It's like these ubiquitous phrases and things. So like at the beginning of Last Jedi, when Poe is messing with Hux and the fact that in a Star Wars movie, they got an Imperial general to say something that millions of people have been saying since we all got cell phones, which is, I can hear you, can you hear me? You know what I mean? That was something that I really, I thought was the neatest thing when I first saw that movie. And... Um, just in, in little things like that. So there was one in, um, so the fact that they have this, everybody kind of knows Harley Quinn now, like little kids even know who Harley Quinn is because of the animated shows. So then when you see the Twi'lek doing that, it's like, oh, like, you know, the the kind of crazy kind of psycho girl or girlfriend of one of the other criminals. Um, and just all that stuff that they, they somehow put modern, uh, what would it be? Colloquialisms or something. And they sneak it in. And yet, when you think about it, you're like, if somebody said, hey, what if we put this funny phrase that everyone's been saying for a couple of years into the thing? Nobody would really want to do it. But then they find a way to do it. I think that's the neat. It's so neat. You know, like, um, I think, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought Harley Quinn up. So here was another thing. I, I hate to I hate to be that cranky guy today. But as I'm watching this female character, I'm thinking of like multiple things at once. She kind of is carrying on like Harley Quinn in a way. For some reason, she reminded me of Amanda Plummer in Pulp Fiction. Oh. And I don't know. I don't know what it was, her accent or her word yeah. choice. And then all of a sudden, so you have this weird mashup of 
you know, uh, 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 this character that we've seen her kind before in, you know, I think they were like in Return of the Jedi dancing in front of the thing and then Jabba throws her in the rancor pit, uh, if I recall correctly. Yep. And then Amanda Plummer and then Harley Quinn. And then it just was this really whacked out mashup of three things that are totally unrelated. It was, I don't know, it was just very, um, it was just, it was just really weird. I couldn't put my finger on them. And, and the whole time I'm like, what the hell are these people carrying on? It, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I didn't like it. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's, this is good. This gets us thinking about the whys and the hows of the character set up in the design. And and the red guy, or, you know, Hellboy with the horns, I wonder if he's this, um, the same species as, because there was a guy like that in the Moss Eisley Cantina, New Hope, that had the same horns, but yep. he was pale. Yep. And, uh, and it was all super fun that that was Clancy Brown, the the jerk uh, prison chief from Shawshank who, you know, has that amazing voice that you just know from everywhere. So that was fun to see him, you know, get in there. Cause he, he's done a lot of the voices for the animated shows and the fun Easter egg of this. I, um, Dan, I know you were watching, uh, you were going to start rebels or you got to finish rebels, but you did clone wars, but yeah. do, do you know what I'm going to say? The, the other, the fun Easter egg from the animated was uh well, i know the one guy was the voice of anakin right right yeah that's where i was going yeah the guy the the guard that they come into who's you know manning the station which is like a very clean version of that death star like uh that would be things the design element of the round room and the door had the same sound but yeah that guy was um he's the he's the voice actor for anakin in the clone wars so he got to right. you know, get some screen time which is fun i'm glad they do that but they're doing it in the right way unlike like when I was griping a couple episodes ago about in the prequels, it seemed like every intern at ILM got to voice a, a droid or a creature and it just didn't sit right. You know? Yeah. Would you guys think of the, the, of Mando, like what you were saying, Brian, about how the fact that he didn't take out the bad, the, the other mercenaries and just put them in a cell. The fact that he tried to defuse the situation and not let them just take out the um, Republic guard or the, you know, the rebel, the guy, Anakin, <laughs> Anakin voice. Yeah. He's making like some interesting decisions and as he's, so this character has been around, fought in a lot of different battles, fought in a lot of wars, what have you. And I'm, he seems to be a strategic thinker. So he'll kill if it's necessary or if he has to, but if he doesn't have to, he doesn't. Right. So maybe he felt he could use these guys later on or there was some purpose for leaving them alive that maybe they resurface in a future, you know, in a future episode or something like that. And as a practical matter, I don't think you can have the hero of the story killing everybody. I mean, eventually it's going to get to be a bit much. So I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, at first I thought it was like pretty badass, pretty cool. You know, he was just, just one by one just offing these guys for turning on him and pretty much threatening to take his kid. And um, at the end, you know, they showed him all in the jail cell. And I was kind of like, nah, well, that's right. I forgot Disney made this. So it's got to be very Disney-like. But um, yeah. also, I think it 
I think it's more than that. I like to think that it's more than that. It's actually added to his character and how much he's kind of evolving and changing, you know, from that first episode when he was just offing people in a bar to, you know, now that he has this kid to take care of, you know, he's kind of that character is is going through an arc and is evolving. So, you know, I'm 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 kind of interested to see where where it goes with that. That raises a good point, Dan. Of like, has he? Since the the since he met and found the child, besides the IG eighty eight or IG eleven robot, has he just like easily taken any? How many people has he easily taken out? That wasn't just a random firefight kind of thing. Since yeah. he had the kid, and like, so there was the the IG eleven that you know, and then the the first scene, the opening bar, the guy that got uh, cut by the door. Um, you know, random guys that were ambushing him. But has there been any, I'm trying to think, did he take anyone else out that, because he didn't take out the scientist that was trying to extract whatever from the child. Right. Sunglasses, Imperial guy. Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he definitely, he's definitely softened in that way of he's, or, or, or he's been doing this for so many years. And now that he's caring about something, it's, there's those seeds of you know I'm a dad now I can't do this kind of crap anymore. I gotta... Yeah, he's he's changing. <laughs> <laughs> did take the Jawas. He took the Jawas out pretty bad. That's true. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. So as we wrap this up, right. what one thing for each of you guys did you take away that was your favorite thing? Your favorite ship, gun sequence, character, uh, what have you? Let's let's start with Dan. Dan, what'd you think? Uh, I mean, like I said, this episode was so much fun for me. It's tough to narrow it down to one, one moment thing. But um, I guess my favorite thing was watching the uh, Mando just single handedly, all you know, take each and every single person out, um, and just outsmarting them, and finally showing you know almost his Batman like skills of outsmarting and lurking in the shadows and and just one by one offing these people. Um. You know something? It's funny when you said that, that it did seem like when he was, he was constrained by having these other people around. And once he decided to go rogue, he wrapped them all up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like he was, he was kind of, um, you know, playing along to get along, you know, going along to get along as it were. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, now I'm now the pro is in the, in the room here and I'm going to get out of here. Right. Dave, right. Dave, he what about you? Playing around. Yeah. I, and I know there, there was a fun moment when he took out those initial robot guards and then the rest of the team had that quiet look like, cause he kept messing with him and, and saying, so man, Oh, you know, what's, what's all this we keep hearing about how such a badass you are. And then when he does it, they're just like, Oh, Oh, so that's why he has the reputation. That was fun. I I totally liked that. I liked when he spl- when he finally decided to split them up and one by one creating those kind of terror. Like he split them all up. They're all getting terrified because they know now they're being hunted by him. You know, the lights go off. It goes in the red. That was a fun tension that they pulled up. I really liked that. And then one of the nerdy things I really thought was fun was when they were landing to get to the prison ship and that robot droid was doing the piloting and had no care for g-forces or how it was going to affect everyone else so when he pulled that super crazy move and docked super fast and everyone got thrown around and baby yoda got dropped and stuff like that 
I thought that was a neat thing that you don't see in Star Wars where there's, you know, there's a way to dock and do things, but a robot could do it. And they don't care. They're, they're not going to puke if they get rolled around. And the fact that they didn't, he didn't warn them and they all just flew around like a bunch of people in the back of a U-Haul taking a turn was just, I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was a, fun, a fun way to kind yeah. of, you know, poke the bubble, uh, 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 burst the bubble of all the idealized space travel, you know, so well everybody thanks for listening and again please spread the word please share this episode if you like and we are going to be back with a chapter 7 breakdown fairly soon chapter 7 actually drops today I believe and it's supposed to have a a Rise of Skywalker teaser or something in the credits or at the end of the credits alright so everybody check that out and we will talk to you soon Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to Creator Confidential. To get future episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or follow the show on SoundCloud. For updates about future podcast episodes, essays, or live events, just text the word CREATOR to 66866. That's CREATOR to 66866. You can also visit us on the web, Twitter, or Facebook. Creator Confidential is a production of Force 10 Media and the Tuck Law Offices.